Good morning, everyone. It's wonderful to get to be with you all as always. The Lord is good, amen? He's never gonna let us down. He's faithful. Praise God. And he chose to meet with us here in this place today. So, what a privilege. All right, so just to give you a little bit of a heads up um, for Friday chapels going forward. Um, we're mostly, for the most part, per usual, going to have a student speaking. We're going to be going through different parts of the book of Proverbs. Um, so Proverbs is part of the wisdom literature of the Old Testament. Um, it's very aimed at practical wisdom for life. And so that's, that's where we're going for Friday. Sound good? Cool. We get to start that today. So buckle up. Let's go. Uh, so a couple important things to know about our passage for today. Our passage is Proverbs 12 verses 17 through 22. So the, the genre of this passage, besides wisdom literature, the subgenre under that is called didactic wisdom, which is very aimed at practical everyday things of life as opposed to contemplative wisdom, which is a little more philosophical. Um, an important part of Hebrew poetry and wisdom is called parallelism. It's basically the, ju the juxtaposition of two phrases that kind of build off of each other um, and add meaning to each other. And the passage we're looking at today uh, uses what's called antithetical parallelism, where the two statements are given in contrast to each other. So as we begin, uh, I want you to think of a time when either you've been hurt by someone else's words or your words have hurt someone else. And once you have that in your head, Think of a time where maybe your words hurt someone else, or maybe your words built someone else up. So let's begin by reading this passage. Um, if you have your Bibles with you, please turn to me, otherwise it'll be on the screen. Whoever speaks the truth gives honest evidence, but a false witness utters deceit. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil, but those who plan peace have joy. No ill befalls the righteous, but the wicked are filled with trouble. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. Let's go back to verse 17 to start off. Whoever speaks the truth gives honest evidence, but a false witness utters deceit. Now, this lesson seems pretty straightforward. People who are honest are going to tell the truth. People who are deceitful are going to tell lies. Um, but the, terms, uh, the term witness and evidence in this passage references um, the legal system of Israel of that day. And so one commentator says that honest witnesses are necessary for the judicial system to work right and for justice to be served. People need to be honest for the community to be safe and for justice to be served in the first place. So we're talking about bigger than just, I told the truth to my friend, we're talking about impacting an entire community with our words here. So important to keep in mind. Verse 18, there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Let's take this one part at a time. First of all, this is powerful imagery. Am I right? <laughs> Words can be like swords. They can feel and function like swords. We can kill people with these things. Like, they're powerful. 
Now think about it, that time when you hurt someone else with your words. Make no mistake, there is absolutely forgiveness in Jesus. If you've broken a relationship, if you've hurt somebody, there's always forgiveness. Don't miss that. Remember that. But it's still essential that we put a guard over our mouths and we be careful what we say because we have the power in life and death in the tongue. James, uh, in the New Testament, several hundred years later, uh, wrote to um, several churches about this. Uh, in chapter three, verse seven, he said, every seven and following, he said, every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. So hold up. If James said that no one can tame the tongue, and Proverbs is telling us to tame our tongues, are we supposed to tame our tongues? Listen to what he says next. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. So my question for us is what kind of spring are we? If we're being fed with salt water, salt water is what's going to come out. If we're being fed with lies and worldly thinking, that's what's going to come out of us. Remember, Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what are we informing our heart with? That's what's going to come out of us. That brings us to the second part of verse 18. It's a little more uplifting. If you're like me, I need that a little bit. Conviction is a blessing. It really is. Um, it says, the tongue of the wise brings healing. So words can have the opposite effect. They can not only create, create wounds, they can heal wounds. We have to be feeding our hearts with the things of God by reading scripture, by praying that he will teach us his ways and abiding in him so that he will produce good fruit in us. Second, I lost my spot. Let me get there a minute. <laughs> One more thing about this verse. Sometimes speaking wisely means speaking the truth even when it hurts someone else a little bit. And I'm talking about the context of confrontation between to believers. Sometimes we have to say, speak the truth in love. Proverbs 27.5 says, better is an open rebuke than hidden love. And the Apostle Paul again wrote, late, wrote much later on that followers of Christ are to speak the truth in love. And this is also a reflection of the character of Jesus. John chapter one tells us that Jesus was full of both grace and truth. So are our words full of grace and truth? Verse 19. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. The New Living Translation translates this, truthful words stand the test of time, but lies are soon exposed. Have you ever told a lie and been found out? How'd that go? Probably not too well. I know it doesn't for me. What this verse is telling us is that lying is not worth it. 
dishonesty is not only an abomination in God's sight, as we'll talk about in a minute, but it's also detrimental to the one who speaks it. False words don't last beyond our immediate circumstances. They are not of ultimate value. Second part of this verse teaches us that the truth will prove to be true in time. A couple of commentators say, add to this, that the true words of wise people will outlast them. Those who speak truth have an impact that lasts beyond their immediate circumstances. And friends, we might even look forward to the New Testament, where we see the fulfillment of messianic prophecies. The prophets that God sent, their words came true. Everything they spoke about Jesus came true. And that means that we can have confidence that the prophecies about Jesus' return and the restoration of all things will also come true. It's a lot of hope, isn't it? It gives us so much hope. But it should also motivate us because judgment day is real. And I pray that we are not found sleeping. I pray that we're not found lying and taking in things of the world. I pray that we're found reflecting Jesus in grace and truth. Verse 20, deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil, but those who plan peace have joy. Deceit in people's hearts is revealed by the plans that they make, by their intentions. A person, sorry, I lost my spot again, y'all. It's not going well for me, okay. A person who is deceived will plan things that are against God, causing injury to both the people around them and the broader community they are in. That's the impact of what's in our hearts. We're affecting more than just ourselves, remember. This is a whole community deal. The NASB translates those who plan peace as those who are counselors of peace, who take counsel with others and with themselves in order to promote the peace of the community. It says that those people have joy. Rather than reaping the punishment of false words, we have inner joy. We receive inner joy. Friends, if you are experiencing bitterness towards someone right now, I know I certainly have, I'm working through some of that right now. If you're planning to take revenge on people, if you want to get people back for things they've said to you or done to you, you're forfeiting the joy that comes from speaking the truth and from planning the welfare of others. You're not only displeasing God when we do that, we're forfeiting joy. It's important stuff. I pray that we do not ignore that word from God. Verse 21, no ill befalls the righteous, but the wicked are filled with trouble. Now this verse introduces a much bigger topic within the wisdom literature of the prosperity of the righteous versus the prosperity of the wicked. And there are all sorts of examples of that throughout it. We don't have time to dive into that right now. But what we, what we can do is consider this verse in context of the surrounding theme of speech. We've already seen that those who speak falsehood injure both themselves and others. And if a person is wise in their speech, things will go much better for them. Again, they will have joy than if they're careless and deceitful. So we need to exercise care with our words. 
Finally, verse 22. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. This sums up the significance of this passage. Yes, of course, it's good to avoid harm to ourselves. Of course, it's good to experience inner peace. This passage, this passage commands us to plan peace. The ultimate reason why we should be wise in our speech is because it pleases God. The word abomination is not a good word. It's really not. Um, it implies significant disgust, and throughout the Old Testament, it's used to refer to all sorts of sins, from what we would consider, maybe we would consider lesser sins to what we would consider bigger sins. But the fact that it's used across the board demonstrates that all sin is equally disgusting to God. Even that thought you had about that person the other day. Even that white lie you told the other day. Even that little way you tried to manipulate things to your advantage. Another commentator uh, explains that the literal Hebrew for act faithfully in this verse is literally to do the truth. Think about that one for a minute. Murphy, also, Murphy, the commentator who says that, also ties this to a teaching of Jesus a lot later in John 3.21, which says that whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. God's people, we as God's people, are to be those who not only speak the truth, but who live the truth. If it remains just head knowledge, if theology class, if Old Testament, New Testament literature, whatever classes we're taking are just staying in our heads, Scripture tells us faith without, faith without works is dead. If we have knowledge and we have faith in God, but we're not doing the truth as this passage calls us to do, we're not living lives that please God. So let's recap. We have to be very, very careful with our words. Every word we say matters. We have the power of our words to both heal relationships and to break relationships, to bring healing to an entire community or to cause division and injury to an entire community with our words. I pray that we will be people who pour ourselves into scripture, who fill ourselves with the things of God so that what will come out is truth and grace. Will you pray with me? Oh Lord, you are great. Thank you for your word. Thank you for revealing your will to us. Thank you for not only being true and faithful, but for allowing us to become like you, Lord to follow you. Lord, thank you for saving us. I pray that our salvation would not remain simply an idea in our head. I pray that the truth of your word would not remain simply in our heads. I pray that we would be people who imitate you in everything that we do. Lord, may we be people whose words bring healing and life and peace to others. Lord, thank you that when we have failed, You've forgiven us. Thank you that you can restore 
anything we've broken, any relationship, any situation, Lord, you can restore entire communities. You can restore entire nations. I pray that you would. And I pray that as we become more like you and follow in your footsteps, that our community, our nation, our world would be restored to you. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.